following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are uh, continuing to be in a series on the God of hope. And what we're pursuing is looking at seeing hope abound in us, hope overflowing from us, so much so that we, we, um, we were just going to focus on this through the month of October, and we felt like the Lord wanted this message to abound into November. So here we are with the, with the overflow of hope into November. And um, the key verse that we've been looking at is Romans 15, 13, the the prayer, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we are recognizing that it is the work of the God of hope to fill us with hope. We believe that it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that even talking about it longer into November is, gonna, is necessarily going to do it. If we just talk more about it, maybe we'll have more hope. Although to some degree, it gives the Lord space to let his Holy Spirit work in us. And so this hope that we're looking for is a joyful expectation and confidence of, of good. That's the kind of hope that we're looking for, not the wishful thinking that sometimes we, we classify as hope, but really a joyful expectation and confidence of good. And what we've talked about uh, over the last few weeks is that we recognize that it's the God of hope that is the source of that for us. I think it's really interesting that um, Paul uses this phrase here because he's talking to a people that have multiple gods. He's talking to a people that, that um, had a God for everything. So there's places, especially when he's talking to the Romans uh, or the Corinthians, there's places where Paul will say, may the God of hope, or may the God of peace, and it's because he's talking to a people that had different gods for different things. So they had the, the God of Minerva, who was the goddess of craft and wisdom, or the, the god of trade was Mercury. Or Bacchus was the god of grapes and wine. That's obscure. But they had a god for everything. If I need hope for this, this is the god that I go to. If I need hope for this, this is the god that I go to. But what he's saying here is there is one god of hope, and it's the living god, the, the god that we put our faith in. And so part of what we've been talking about is how do we make sure that that's what we're connected to for the source of our hope? Because we don't have different, different gods that we name necessarily. We don't have Mercury and Bacchus and all these other gods. But we do kind of have different gods, don't we? We do have things that sometimes we, we think, well, if I need hope in this area, I go to this. And we don't call it that. We don't recognize it, but it is, it is internally we're saying, my hope for this, in, in fact, there's some things that we say, yeah, as it relates to this, my hope is in God. But when I need this, 
I go over here to this over here. I go to this place of, of needing approval or acceptance from people. So our gods might be different. They might be the god of entertainment or the god of financial stability or the god, here's one, you're not going to be surprised because I've said it before, the god of information. That's a big one for me. I am certain that if I just have more information, I can be more confident and, I, and I'm going to feel better. And it can become something that I turn to for hope in my life instead of God. The God of, of power or alcohol or food or any, any of the other things that we might turn to. But we have one God of hope. He is the giver of hope, he's the sustainer of hope, and he's the restorer of hope. And so this is what we're focusing on is, am I fully connected to this God of hope? I think the other things that, the thing that we can sometimes do is that we can reduce that message that my hope is in God, we can reduce that to my hope is that God will give me the things that give me hope. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, okay, yeah, my hope is in God that he'll give me financial stability. My hope is in God that I'll have acceptance. My hope is in God that, and we do have acceptance in him. We heard about that this morning. But you know what I mean? That I'll have, I'll have this job or my hope is in God. But he's saying, no, your hope is in me alone. And that's, that's what we're setting our hope on. Not just that he's a God that's going to give me things. He's not the dispenser of things that give us confidence and hope. He is the, the confidence and hope. And, and it's, a, it's a different nuance. It's a different way to place our trust to say, I have hope in him, not in what he can give me in this. So we recognize that we have, we talked about having this hope as an anchor for the soul, that when our hope is in him and him alone, there's a stability that we get to walk in when everybody else is spinning in the storm. And that we can actually be a place of stability for other people because our hope is firmly placed in who God is. There's a blessing when we stay in hope. Let's look at Jeremiah. Oh, the other Jeremiah that's on this side of the Old Testament. Jeremiah 17. There's a blessing when we place our hope in God. Uh, 17.5. It says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it ever cease from yielding fruit. 
So there is a blessing for fruitfulness when we place our trust in the Lord, our, our hope in the Lord alone. There's, there's basically, this is, this is a, um, a spiritual law, not law like that we have to follow, but like, like this, is, this is just a concept that if we put our trust in man or in the flesh, in the things that man can do, that we'll be parched, that we're cut off from the supply line of hope that allows us to flourish as a tree that bears fruit even in the year of drought. And so the Lord, at the beginning even of um, everything that was going on with 2020, I felt like the Lord spoke to me about us as a, as a people, and I'm sure the larger body of Christ, but that we would bear fruit even in the drought. I felt like the Lord had spoke that, that that was something he asked me to continue to declare, that in the midst of things that, that seem like desolation and drought and, and what's going on, and that we would bear fruit in that. And so we are a hope-filled people that are connected to this hope that, that draws the blessing of God even in the midst of drought, that allows for fruitfulness even in the midst of drought. We've talked about hope as... Um, as the ability to not fear in the storm. Remember, we, for those of you that were here, we talked about the, um, the story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat, and a storm came up, and um, Jesus was sleeping in the boat, and the disciples were freaking out, and they said, do you not even care that we're perishing? And Jesus said, why are you so afraid? And then he spoke to the storm. He took authority over the storm and he calmed it. And we talked about the fact that we, we have authority. The reason to connect to peace and to hope in the Lord is because we're meant to have an authority in the midst of the storm. But that we don't have that authority when we can't sleep through it with him. When, when we don't have that place of hope or that place of peace. So we have a choice. In whatever storms come into our lives... Am I going to be in the storm in fear or am I going to be above the storm in peace and hope? And so that's what we're connecting to as we pursue this, this reality of hope in our lives. The truth is, is that when we go through these storms, when we go through things, this is, this is what was happening to the disciples. The disciples who, by the way, had just witnessed miracle upon miracle that Jesus had done. They, in the midst of the storm, they began to believe a lie. And this is what hopelessness is connected to. It's connected to something that is not the truth. Is it the truth that there was a storm? Yes. Or is that reality? Was it, was it reality that the, the boat was filling up with water? In the scripture it says it was. But the truth is that they, they were safe, that they didn't need to fear. And so they were believing the lie, we're going to perish. They were believing the lie that Jesus doesn't care about us. Don't you care that we're perishing? They're believing the lie that they're not protected. They even knew that Jesus had a, a plan and a purpose that he was walking out, and they were supposed to walk it out with them, or with him, and there should have been something in them that said, 
well, we haven't completed the mission yet, so we're going to make it through this. But they believe the lie. And so hopelessness is attached to, to a lie. And a lot of times, it's easy for those to come in. It's, it's easy for us to believe that God's going to protect us when nothing bad is going on around us. When the, you know, when the, the lake is glassy and smooth, it's easy to believe that. But in the midst of the storm, in the midst of a trial, it's difficult. And so a lot of times where those lie comes in, there's two different places. And this is from the very beginning of time that caused separation between God and man was the lie about what is true about God and the lie about what's true about how he sees me or who I am. And that's, that's what is difficult. That's what we sometimes come into where we have to hold on to hope and not step into the lie. So the lie comes against us. We're in the middle of a storm that he's distant and uninterested. God isn't here with me. He doesn't see what's going on. He doesn't care. Or the lie comes in, he won't protect me in the midst of this. I won't, I won't be able to see his goodness here. Or that he can't be trusted with my needs. Because I, I don't see him meeting my needs right now in this moment. He can't be trusted or that he's left me alone. Or here's a good one that's not actually in the Bible. That he helps those who help himself, themselves. If I'm going to overcome this, I have, to, I have to take care of it myself. Or we believe the lie that he's mad at me or that he's disappointed in me. Or right now, one that I wrestle with sometimes is I believe the lie that he has totally lost control of things. He has lost control. I don't know what happened, but somehow he got dethroned and he just, he's lost control. And I wouldn't ever say like those things, except for right now on a recording. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I wouldn't ever say those things, but... But the, what's going on inside of me and my response to the things going on around me would say, I believe that lie, that, that I think that that's the truth. Because what's interesting is where our hope is at is really revealed in the storm. It's revealed when, when that's tested, when, when his protection for me is tested, when my belief that he's aware of what's going on in my life, is tested, that's where hope is actually revealed. In fact, hope really doesn't ever show up unless there's a need, unless there's a trial. I promise this is good news. It's, it's kind of like it, it glows in the dark. You don't see it, until it's dark, until, until there's a need. Jesus said, you're not going to find joy, peace, or hope in the world. Only you're going to find that in me. In fact, he says, what you will find in the world is trials and tribulations. But this is part of the good news. In John 16, he says, these things I've spoken to, to you, that in me you may have peace, because in the world you'll have tribulation 
but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Those very same trials and tribulations actually produce hope in our lives. And hope is an essential part of of walking with God. It's an essential part of exhibiting who he is. So those same trials in Romans 5, 3, this is talking about suffering. This is a a people that's, that's going through a suffering. And he says, not only that, but we also rejoice in our suffering. We glory in our suffering, some some translations say, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Woohoo! <laughs> Who loves perseverance? <laughs> and perseverance produces character. Is there an easier way to get character? I would really like that. That would be better. And character produces hope. These things that we're going through is an opportunity for us to have hope produced in our life. Then it goes on to say, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Hope does not disappoint. Sometimes we don't want to stay in a place of hope because we don't want to get disappointed. That, that there's this thing in us that goes, well, I don't, I don't want to get tricked or duped. Really, I think it's pride a little bit. Sometimes it's self-protection. It's coming into a belief that says, God won't protect me. He won't show up and be good, and so I don't want to hope for that good thing. But hope is produced in trial because what comes out of that is perseverance and then character. Perseverance is described in the New Testament when you look at the meaning of it. The characteristic of a man who is unswerving from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith even through the greatest trials and sufferings. How many want perseverance? unswerving from his deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith, even in the midst of great trial. This is something that the Lord is building in us. The the word perseverance, it's also sometimes translated endurance, um, comes from hupotasso, which is a Greek word. And I only remember that one because it's a, a favorite word of a friend of mine, one of those friends who loves Greek words and always uses them. And it means to to bear under. And it's kind of like this picture of of carrying a weight, of bearing under a weight, this endurance. But how many of you know that builds faith in us? It builds strength in us to bear under in hope, to endure in hope. I think we need to recognize that when we are presented with an opportunity to choose hope instead of fear, that it's an opportunity to strengthen something in us, probably for something in the future where we're going to need really strong hope muscles. So this is an opportunity for us as, as the church, as people of God, to come under this perseverance, this endurance, and build hope in our lives 
Again, because we are meant to be those that carry hope when everyone else is hopeless, when everything else is hopeless around us. This is an opportunity that we have to walk in that. He is inviting us into this process. We talked about um, a couple of the reasons that it's important that we can be in hope, and one is because we're meant to have authority. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But in the midst of everything going on, what we need is people that have hope, that can speak with authority to things that, that are unseen, that are yet unseen. Because it talks about this, that hope is developed in those things that are unseen. That once we can see a thing, hope isn't necessary. Because now we have the thing. But we're meant to be a people who can look and not see what hope is hoping for yet, but still declare it. So that that authority comes in. The other thing is we're meant to have an answer for our hope. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, 1 Peter 3.15-16. But in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason for the hope that's in you. That we should be walking in a way that provokes the question, what is the reason for the hope that's in you? Do you know that that means that everything around us has to look like there shouldn't be hope in us? That there, there are things that we're going to walk through that people look at it and can't see why we have hope. And then we get to give a reason. They get to ask us, why do you have hope? And it's an opportunity to present who Jesus is as the anchor of our hope. What's interesting, it even tells us how to give that answer in the next verse. It says, but respond with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who slander you might be put to shame by your good behavior in Christ. Not only do we give hope's answer, but we give it with gentleness and respect. This is a privilege that we have. So, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of the storm, we get to be those that see through the eyes of hope. And then where that authority comes in and where that answer comes in, we get to be those that actually speak the language of hope. Hope has a language. You know, the kingdom of God, we've talked about the kingdom of God having a different culture than our culture. You know, I think we sang today, pretty good chance of it, something about his kingdom coming to earth. And that's something we feel like we, we get to walk in, that we get to partner with God in the continued work of Jesus to see his kingdom come to earth. But hope has a language as part of that culture. There's a language of hope. Hope talks and speaks in a particular way, and that's declaration. How many of you were here when uh, Daryl and Judy shared with us about walking through their were you just so encouraged by that? If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back a couple of weeks. You can find on our website. Uh, they just blessed us by sharing 
their, their journey of walking through trial with hope and what that looked like. And one of the things that I think was so powerful that they released was the power of declaration, speaking life and truth into our lives. This is the language of hope. This is the language of hope that sees through eyes of hope and then speaks words of hope into the, into the situation. We can't change our life without changing the way we talk. Because there's something powerful about what comes out of our mouths. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who eat it, those who love it, will eat its fruit. Lots of fruitfulness going on today. Trees that bear fruit. The way that we talk brings fruit in our lives. In James, it talks about... Um, the tongue is a small part of the body, but that it's like a bit in a horse's mouth that turns the whole horse, or like a, a rudder on a ship that turns the ship. Now, I've always kind of looked at it and thought, you know, you know, there's the verse that says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. But there's something about being able to make declaration of hope that actually can shift the heart. It changes how I act. When I begin to allow my mouth to speak the language of hope, it begins to shift how I, how I see things and how I respond to things, how I act. We can hold on to hope for situations and speak truth about that, but one area I want us, and I think it really goes along with what the word was today, about the approval that God has spoken over us. We need to speak words of hope over ourselves. We need to see ourselves the way hope sees us. I loved what Judy said when she was sharing about the, the declarations of hope. She said something to the effect, loose paraphrase. She said, uh, God has more hope for me than I do, and I need to step into his hope. I need to step into agreement with his hope. And as it relates to who we are, we need to begin to declare the things that are true of us today. Today, Rochelle declared over us this approval that, that we have in him, that we are fully accepted. And so we could come here wondering today about whether or not that's true, but hope spoke over us this morning. And we need to do that for ourselves. We need to do that for one another. How, how powerful it is when we do that for each other. When we see one another through the eyes of hope instead of the eyes of how I'm acting in this current moment. I can tell you that there, there is something that um, I think we've shared about it before. There was a season where the Lord really put it on my husband's heart and, and gave him the grace to every morning, every morning, for like 400, 300 days, speak, speak over me declarations of what was true. 
he spoke over me that, um, that I would preach. And I had never preached ever in my entire life. Probably didn't even want to. But that, that, that I would speak the word with power. That I, would, that I would preach. He spoke over me that I would minister to women. And just being honest, at the time, I wasn't even sure that women liked me or I liked them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, think, I don't think I have anything to say to women. I'm not sure that I really am good at that. I didn't have any sisters. I had four brothers. And I know, I know how to, like, be sarcastic and rib guys and whatever. I don't know. Women are so... I don't think I have anything to say that they'd want to hear. But he spoke it over me. And there was things that, that came to fruit in my life because of these declarations about who I was, who I am as a mom when I was wrestling with whether or not I'm equipped or good at this at all, who I am as a wife. So he spoke those things over me, and it can feel really strange to say things and declare things that are not yet in your experience. But I feel like I was just recently, uh, I heard an, an object lesson that I thought was super helpful. Can you help me? Um, that, that there is something in the character and, and the culture of heaven that is all about speaking over things that, that are not yet seen as what we're declaring Okay. Does this bring go ahead and bring it in? Sorry. You might want to just carry it. Thanks, babe. Oh, poor thing. Okay. So how many of you know what this is? It's a tree. Okay. How many of you know? What kind of tree it is? How about you? No, not a maple. It's like cheating. Okay. Who said it? Apple. Liar. Because it has never produced a single apple. So I have no idea why you would call it an apple tree. Not one time has it produced an apple. In fact, I'm not even really sure that it can produce leaves efficiently. <laughs> but we call it an apple tree, don't we? And even if it were to die before it ever produced a single apple, we would still call it an apple tree. And it's not going to. We have great hope for this tree living. We're going to plant it. But this is a, this is a principle... Of, of the culture of the kingdom. That we, we are not, we don't get our identity from what we've already done. We get our identity from what we're created for. You don't get your identity from what you've already shown evidence of. You get your identity for what God created you for. And this is where the, the eyes of hope need to begin to see what, what we're created for and begin to declare it. We can do this for one another. I can, my husband can look at me and go, well, 
I don't see a sim- single apple. But that's an apple tree. That's, that's a person who's full of grace and love and compassion, even when I'm not showing a whole lot of grace and love and compassion. We can do that for one another. Do that for each other. Let this be a house of hope that sees in one another what we're created for and says, that's an apple tree. Begin to declare those truths. This is what hope does. This is how we hold hope for another person or for ourselves, that we see the apple tree before it ever produces a single apple. Can you just... Can you just picture, can you picture the apples? There's a hint, they're really red on this particular tree. So I would encourage you to begin to make a list of promises. This week we're just going to focus on what are promises about who I am? What What are things that you have told me? Start with Scripture Start with scripture and, and things that he's spoken over us. In, in 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. And it says, when we come into agreement with those promises, we can, um, I don't want to have to turn there because I don't really have time. We participate in the divine nature, it says, when we come into agreement with the promises that God's given us about who we are. When we say, I am an apple tree. I don't have any leaves. I've never created an apple, but I'm an apple tree. Because this is the promise that he's spoken over me. We're going to be people of hope for one another. So I want to encourage you. There's, there's everything biblical about this. That, that declaration is... is totally the way of the kingdom, that the world was created through declaration, that Jesus started his ministry with a declaration. Jesus started his ministry by saying, I am an apple tree. He didn't say that. He said, "Uh, the Lord has anointed me. The The sovereign Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor to you know all all of the promises in Isaiah and this was before Jesus had done any miracles he constantly was making declaration about himself thankfully he had John the Baptist he had John that occasionally would encourage him and say there is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world but he hadn't done any of that yet but it was the, the, the declaration of hope. Even Jesus started his ministry in that. David made declarations as he ran towards Goliath. Little David running toward Goliath saying, I will cut off your head. Abraham. I think it's an interesting thing that, that God gave him a promise. And then at one point he said, but I want, I want to change your name. I want you to begin to identify with the promise that I've given you, that you would be a father of many nations. You would, you would be a father of multitudes. And this was before 
anything had happened. This was before there was a pregnancy or he changed his name to identify with what he had called him to do. So we're going to make declarations. I'm going to challenge you to make declarations this week. If you were here when Judy handed out the little declaration journals, you can use those or just get a little notebook or something. But here's, I would like us, between now and the last Sunday of, um, of November, we are going to um, commit to every day making, oh, I don't know, whatever, whatever amount. I would suggest 10. 10 declarations in the morning and the evening. And ask the Lord, what, what declarations do you want to make over, over me? What, what declarations do you want me to be speaking? And you can use things from Scripture. I highly encourage you to use things from Scripture because we can be really certain. Sometimes the Lord will give us a declaration to make and we'll go, well, it's probably just me. Scripture is really helpful because I go, well, it's Scripture. It says. But I'd encourage you to, to write them out. These are going to be my declarations that I'm going to make over myself, over my family, over my situation. And to, to be faithful in that for the next couple of weeks. And here's the, the last thing that I want to talk about. Is that what happens as we begin to make these declarations, and I encourage you to say them out loud. Don't just like sit there and think them. You know, the, in Joel, it says, let the weak say, I am strong. It didn't even say, let the weak be strong. It said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the, weak, like the poor say, I am rich. So declarations isn't ignoring the fact that he didn't say, let the weak say, I'm not weak. He said, let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm having a weak experience right now but I'm strong. So it's, it's, that's the, the declaration of calling those things that are not as though they are is different than denial, which is saying, yeah, that's not happening. Hope is that's happening, but this is what's going to happen. So, we're going to make those declarations. We're going to say them out loud. And here's why. Because our hope, we talked about this before, our hope is the pilot light for faith. Our hope is meant to become faith in us. I was supposed to have more time to talk about this, so I'm just going to give us the really quick version. Our hope is, is faith in us. And the word says, faith comes by hearing. So when we make these declarations of hope, we can know that it's going to activate faith in our lives. That that, that faith, and here's, to me, here's the difference between hope and faith. I believe that faith gives hope a time and a place to happen. That, that faith is the active part of hope. That, that there's a transference that happens, that I have this hope and this thing, but faith has an action then 
that, that steps into that, and there's a time and a place for the hope, the thing we hoped for to happen. So there's, there's maybe times when we're, we're sitting in this place of hope, we're persevering in hope, and then there's this time and this place for it to happen, and we step into faith, and we make the declaration of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. To me, hope is me saying, this is an apple tree, and it's going to have apples, but faith is what we're going to do after church, which is we're going to plant it in the ground. And we're, we're going to actually tend to it. We're gonna, and we're going we're gonna to like be ready for apples. That's faith. Hope declares what's true about it. It sees what's true about it. But faith actually has an action attached to it. So I encourage you, as you make declarations, to let that begin to become faith in you. We need that undergirding of hope for faith to, to be able to be ignited in our lives. The other thing I see is that in the difference between hope and faith is that hope is the safety net for faith. That when we, when we, how many of you have stepped out in faith and believed that something was going to happen and stepped into an action and it didn't happen? Nobody? You should pray for me because, okay. So we've all had that happen. But hope is a safety net that catches us and, and reminds us that, okay, that didn't happen, but my God is good, and I have hope in who he is. And, it, and it's buoyant. Hope is buoyant. It sends us back up to faith again and lets us go after that thing again and step into the action of faith. So we are going to make declaration about our apple trees this, this week and next week, leading up to our last service. I want to challenge you, do an experiment, and see if you don't begin to be filled with more hope as you make these declarations. There's, um, there's lots of, you can even look online if you want to find declarations of hope. But I just encourage you to, this would be a good thing to do with the Lord. Just what declarations do you want me to make? And we're going to commit to, to doing that. What declarations do you want me to make over myself and who I am? Over my, my spouse, over my family, over a situation? And we're going to press into that these next couple of weeks. Can we do that? Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to partner with you in hope. We thank you that you are giving us eyes of hope, that we can look at barren branches and see an apple tree. We ask that you would uh, give each one specific declarations that you want them to uh, be declaring. 
that you would continue to cause hope to abound and overflow in us as we speak hope. We ask that we would be people that not only see through hope's eyes, but we speak the voice of hope, the language of hope in our lives and to one another. And we thank you, Lord, that that hope leads to faith. It leads to the active part of walking out your purposes and plans on the earth. Thank you for being the God of all hope. We look to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.